take your Bible this morning and open it up with me to Job chapter 1. For those of you that are visiting, we have been involved on Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings through the summer on the series we're calling Learning from the Testimonies of Old Testament Men and Women. How many of you believe Romans 8.28, that all things work together for good to those who love God, to the called according to his purpose? You believe that that's true. How many of you know that some bad things happen in life? How many of you believe that God's greater than the bad things? He can cause our good, his glory to come even out of the worst things that happen. That's Job's testimony to us. Because he says some things that we need to know in difficult days. Some of you have been through some dark and difficult days. Some of you are in great difficulty right now. Some of you haven't had it, but it's just around the corner. A car wreck. A phone call child or grandchild that you love and prayed for forsakes the Lord and embraces a lifestyle that breaks your heart. You stand at the graveside of a spouse that you love and lived with for years. I want you to know difficult times are reality. Usually when I uh, study to preach, I just saturate myself in the scripture and I just get so excited about coming and preaching, but as I've lived the last two weeks just reading the book of Job over and over, I just want you to know that it's been a time of deep reflection in my heart, of dark days, and the extraordinary grace of God. So I want us to look at... at at the testimony of Job. And if Job were to give his testimony to us this morning, there are really five things that he would tell us that we need to know. One, he would tell us that there are some things that happen in life that we simply cannot understand. I want you to look at Job 1. Job starts off with with just an overview of the testimony of Job's life. It says, there was a man of the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. And there were born to him seven sons and three daughters, and he possessed 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of, of oxen and 500 female donkeys and many servants so that there, this man was the greatest of all of the people of the east. Here is a man who loved God, feared God, walked with God, was extraordinarily blessed with God. I mean, it looks like everything is going right in Job's life. 
And then something happens in heaven that Job cannot see. Verse 6, Now there were a day when the sons of God angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came among them. Now I don't understand everything that's taking place here. I just believe the Bible. And I believe two things about Satan. I believe he's like a roaring lion who roams looking for someone to devour. And I believe he is the accuser of the brethren that he'll tear you down in just a moment. And both of these happen here. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came among them and the Lord said to Satan from where have you come and Satan answered the Lord and said from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down it there is that roaring roving lion seeking to devour and the Lord said to Satan have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. I want you to, when God says that about you, that's something. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God uh, for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house? and all that he has, and on every side you have blessed the work of his hand, and the possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and here he is, the accuser, and he will curse you to your face. Then the Lord said to Satan, I'll put that to the test. You can do anything to Job but take his life. All of this takes place in heaven. Job doesn't have any idea what's going on, but what happens in heaven impacts his life here on earth. Because in the verses that follow, you have all of these great calamities. There, there's a servant that comes and says, the Sabaean have come and they've stolen all of your donkeys. And then there's fire that fell from heaven and burned up all of your sheep and then the Chaldeans came and they took away all of your camel all of your wealth just like that is gone and if that's bad, bad enough another servant came and says your seven sons and three daughters were together in one of the brothers house to feast and a wind came the house collapsed and all your children are dead Just like that, life changed. Everything's great. Everything's wonderful. Now, pop, the bottom's falling out. What do you do when that happens? The boss says you don't have a job anymore. You get a letter from a lawyer. He thought the marriage was going fine. Had no idea there'd be a filing for divorce. 
when someone does great evil against you? What do you do? Two of the great statements of the Bible follow this. In, in, in chapter 1, in verse 21, it says, after Job had, had tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell out on the ground and worshipped God, he said, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then you get over into chapter 2 and and, and Job breaks out with all kinds of boils all over his body and his wife who's, who's just heartbroken says, why don't you curse God and die? And, and Job in verse 10 re replies to her, shall we receive good from the Lord and shall not receive evil? He didn't understand it. Didn't have the slightest idea of what was going on. And I want you to know there are some difficult things that are going to happen in our life that we would not choose for ourselves. Now, how in the world do you understand Job 1? And how in the world do you make sense of the difficult and dark days that happen in your life? The only way that I know is, is to read the whole of the book of Job and understand that's what God allows to happen to come into Job's life. He happened, He allows it to happen to test Job's faith and faithfulness. And it's so important that you and I understand the difference between times of, of testing and times of temptations, okay? Temptations always come from Satan. James says that God is so holy, so pure, that he cannot be tempted, neither can he tempt. I always know God will never tempt you to sin and depart from Jesus. But I always know that's what Satan does. His temptations are enticements to sin, to pull you away from the Lord. In contrast to that, times of testing come from the Lord. And they are designed to strengthen our faith and to draw us closer to Jesus. And that's what's going on in this whole picture of Job. He says, <coughs> there's some things that are going to happen. You don't understand but there is one constant that you can know, and that is the Lord. Second thing that Job would tell us when you go through difficult times, that sometimes people with good intention give bad advice. I mean, a good part of the first part of Job, from, from, from Job uh, uh, 8 all the way through uh, 30 is about three friends of Job that come to him in his calamity to give him counsel and their advice. The only trouble is their theology is horrible. And uh, I mean, it starts off that they're Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. I, their names spell trouble, okay? 
And Eliphaz comes, first of all, and he says to Job, Job, you know the problem is, all of this has happened to you uh, because uh, there's sin in your life. If you hadn't sinned, none of this would have happened. And then Bildad speaks up, and he gets a little harsher. And he says, how in the world would you protest your righteousness? It's apparent God doesn't like you. And then Zophar joins in, and he carries the party line. Job, it's all your fault. And, and their advice comes from a human perspective. And, and what they end up doing is boxing God into their own understanding. And thus they were pointing Job away from the greatness and the providence of God. They were pointing him away from who God is and the truth of Romans 8.28. They said it just ain't so. And I want you to know their advice had a, a, a negative and a hurtful, harmful uh, impact on Job's life. Let me just give it to you in Job's life. In, in, in Job 16, verse 2, Job said, I, I, I've heard many such things. He <laughs> miserable comforts you all. Such windy words have an end. Or what provokes you to answer? And then you go over to chapter 19, verse 2. And Job looks at these friends and he said, How long will you torment me? Your words tell, tear me to pieces. I want you to know, you can help people or you can destroy people with your words when they're going through difficult times. And then in Job 31 through 37, a young man comes along by the name of Elihu. And Elihu puts things into perspective. Let me just boil down what he says to Job. He says that the suffering of God's people is not an expression of God's anger toward us, but of his love for us. And that suffering is not to punish us, but to refine righteousness in us. And so Elihu says, keep your focus on who God is and the goodness of God and the glorifying God in every situation. Go back, Job, and remember what you said when you said the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Remember what you said when uh, when when, when they came along and, and, and your wife cursed you and you said, will we receive evil or good from the Lord and not evil? Remember who's in control. Be careful of who you get counsel from when you're going through dark and difficult days. 
If somebody comes to you and says, well, I think this is what you ought to do, or this is what I would do if I were in your place, beware, run. But if somebody comes to you with the Bible, with the truths of Scripture, listen. I discovered a long, long time ago there are no pat answers in life. There are answers. They're found in the Word of God, and they come to us when we search deeply and we long with all of our hearts to hear from God. When you're going through difficulties, build your life, make your decision on God's wisdom and not man's wisdom, okay? That's what Job would say to us. Be careful of what others say to you. The third thing that Job would tell us is that when difficult times come, faith and doubt wrestle together. In, 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 in Job 19, you have one of the greatest statements of faith that, that, that are, that's in the Bible. Verses 25 and 26, Job says, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last days he will stand on earth. And after my skin has thus been destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. It says, I, I don't care what happens. I'm going to live in eternity with my Redeemer. But then you get to chapter 20, and Eliphaz comes back up, and he sows the seeds of doubt that throw Job off his feet. Life had been good. Life had been real good. I was doing what I loved doing, what I did with all of my heart. And one day, just like that, it was all taken away. Dreams were dashed. Everything I'd worked so hard for was gone. Financial security evaporated just like that. Wish I could tell you, I just stood up and said, praise God, but I didn't. I watched my wife and my children get angry over what had happened. And I asked questions, God, if you knew everything right, why would everything go wrong? Why aren't you in control? I mean, I, I, I went through some dark, deep days of uncertainty. And I found myself fleeing back to promises of God. Promises like Romans 8.32 says, If God spared not his son, 
but freely gave him up for us all, will he not give us in him all good things? The promise is like Philippians 4, 19, but my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I didn't have the slightest idea why it happened or what was going on. All I knew was God was greater than my hurts, my uncertainty, my pain. I want you to know a faith that cannot answer doubts is not a faith that's built on the greatness of God. The fourth thing that Job would tell us is that it's always silly to argue with God. Now, why would you let this happen to me? Where's God? Job's voice, those complaints, these friends have just beat him down, and he's on uncertain ground at times, and he cries out, God, why in the world would you let this happen? And you come to, 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 to Job 38, 39, and the Lord says to Job, Job, who are you to question me? Who are you to give me advice about what I'm supposed to do? Where were you when I laid the foundations of the world? Where were you when I created the earth? Where were you when I hung the stars in space? The only certainties I know in difficult times is the greatness of God. I know that God is all wise, that he knows what he's doing, that he knows the end from the beginning of what he does in the lives of his children. I know that God is holy, that his purposes are always right and perfect, even when I don't understand it. I know that God is all-powerful, that he works out his will, and nothing can stop it. And I know that God is all-loving toward his children. His purposes are, are hurt. It's our good, his glory, to make us more like Jesus. Have you been there? Your only refuge is the Lord. When you find yourself there, you found everything. He's sufficient. And he's doing something deep in your life that you can't see until you've come through the other side. The last thing that Job would tell us is that when you wait upon the Lord, the wait is worth it. Job struggles and stumbles some as you read through the book 
of Job, his friends tear him down. He goes through periods of death and, or, or, or doubt, complaining. He, he gets to the place of saying, boy, it'd be better if I hadn't ever been born or it'd be better if I died. I mean, this misery is great. And he comes to the place after God speaks and he says, such knowledge of who you are is too wonderful. I shut my mouth. I trust you with all of my heart. And then he discovers the steadfast love and the abundant mercies of God. Because you come to the end of Job and he says, the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. He was persevering in prayer. He was prevailing in prayer. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then came to him all his brothers and sisters and all who had known him before and ate bread with him in his house and they showed him sympathy and comfort to him for all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. And each of them gave him a piece of money and a gold ring. And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than the beginning and he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, a thousand yoke of oxen and a thousand female daughters. He also gave, uh, he also had seven sons and three daughters. And then you come down to the end and Job died an old man full of years. Let me go back to where we started. Romans 8, 28. Do you believe it? Do you? Let me tell you what it says. It's a confident statement. We know. Not we hope or we wish. We know. It's a comprehensive statement. All things, not just good things, bad things, everything, all things, and it's a certain statement work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Now listen to me. That's true in your life. If you know Jesus, if you're His child, if you've committed your life to Him, He is at work to make you like Jesus. I wouldn't choose a lot of the things that God's allowed to come into my life. But I'm not God. I don't know what I need. He does. All I know is all things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to His purpose. Now listen to me. If you don't know Jesus, all things aren't working together for your good. In fact, all things are working together for your hurt. And the only way life makes sense is to know the one who created life and to know the one who gave his life for you to give new life to you to come to Jesus. 
And when you come to Jesus, he'll forgive your sins and he'll give you a new life. But I want you to know, he'll make sense out of life. You can trust him. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come to Jesus this morning. I'm going to ask you, don't leave here left to your own devices. Life will drown you. It'll beat you down. You won't make it. But you can come to Jesus and it'll change. Some of you here, you need to become a part of a church family. None of us can make it by ourselves. We need the Lord. We need one another to pray and encourage and help one another along the way. I'm going to ask you to come. And then there's some of you right now that are going through some difficult times. And you've wrestled in your soul. And it just may be a day to lay down your burden on the Lord and trust Him.